Up next, voices matter with Franziska Passion. In a democratic society, every voice counts. We are convinced that everyone has a meaningful story to tell. Our new feature, Voices Matter, is a platform to make your voice heard. On Voices Matter today, my guest is Irina Sagaidak. First of all, hello, Irina. Hi. Irina Sagaidak, you say of yourself that you have had multiple lives. How have you had multiple lives? Okay. Yes. So I started as a scientist. So I did my principal studies in physical chemistry in material science. And I pursued them up until the PhD and some research work alongside. But I felt like this is something I can do But my heart wasn't in there. My heart was searching for something more. So I, I explored different areas. I've always loved yoga and everything that, which was connected to the human body. So I, I didn't know what I want to do if I weren't doing science, but I was experimenting. And my first transition, first big decision of sailing off the shores of known, was uh, actually moving to Luxembourg. And my idea was to move into HR because that was human-related, the closest I knew and the closest I had experience with. And eventually I ended up being a project manager for the delivery of services, HR-related services for development and growth for employees. And then in that stage, I found out about closer to the body uh, areas. And uh, I started seriously thinking about massage therapy. And I trained in a bunch of massage techniques. And eventually I found somatic education. So that's where I specialize uh, now. And it's uh, connected to mindfulness, but we do this through the movement. So it's not just in your mind, it's actually accessing the whole of your being through the movement, through your body, through bringing your sensations and yourself into, into the physical being and grounding yourself there. Also for you personally, this journey and these transitions have to do with body. You suffered from chronic pain. Yes. How much did this influence your decisions? It, it was it was a big part of influence, I would say, because my pain started when I was doing a PhD still. So uh, somewhere in the middle, when I was writing my thesis, I couldn't figure out where it comes from, really, because, you know, I was, what, 26, I think. And uh, you're still young at that time, and most people don't feel anything in their bodies. They are just pumping on the hormones and everything works. <laughs> so I had to listen to my body sooner. It started to talk to me sooner than for many people. So I, I did hope that, you know, once I finish PhD, the stress of PhD is going to be gone. So it's just going to release itself. But it didn't. <laughs> so I started realizing that, okay, at the stage where I am, where my chronic pain is ever present, doing the office work is very challenging. Also, uh, I realized that 
a lot of my pain is magnified by the hyper-responsibility I have. I'm, I'm a very responsible kind of person, so I want to do things to the best, and it's never good enough. Um, that's something I, I've been working for, uh, on for, for a couple of years. So there I realized that I can't just go on like that. It's, it's going to just get worse. So that's where I started um, digging into, into exploring the anatomy, understanding things. Uh, by that time, I went through a range of doctors. So I did all the checkups possible. And uh, all they told me is, well, you probably should stress less. There is nothing problematic structurally, so just go uh, do some sports, and that's going to be fine. And the, the other alternative was uh, painkillers, which I'm not a fan of, because you just you dumpen the feeling, so you don't know what's going on actually there, and then some, at some point you can break. So that, that all led me to, to my own exploration and searching for the alternatives and it first led me to the massage as a technique to use, and self-massage was really helpful. And then to the somatic education as a fundamental approach to, to the issue. How does that go together with your previous identity of being a scientist? For scientists, I imagine everything has to be logic and everything has to have a meaning, a reason. Yes, it actually marries well with science. There is also a lot of uncertainty in science <laughs> and a lot of exploration and open-mindedness about what can come. So you just, you explore and exploration is the main thing. It's not about the results as such because you never know what's going to come. So I applied that and that goes well with somatic education because in this work, it's not like we are fixing people. There is, there is no way to fix a person because everybody's so unique. We're not just mechanisms. We are the whole beautiful human beings. And, but the changes happen once you bring your attention to yourself. Once you experience yourself, you develop bigger sensitivity. And then the nervous system does the work on its own. You don't need to use or like control the things with your conscious mind. And that's the beauty. But it's also very uncertain for, for people. For, for me, it was to go through it. But also the science scientific background allowed me to, to f learn things faster, you know. I, I'm used to go through the scientific papers, through the complicated language, which is, you know, sometimes dry and very logical, but not very <laughs> interesting to read. <laughs> so that was, that was really helpful. It, allows, it kind of gives me tools of analyzing, of summarizing, of digging deeper, which I can use in any area. And it's nice to be able to use it for the human body and anatomy. And now have you finished transitioning? Yes, yes. Uh, I can say that at this point I'm the new, it's not personality, but kind of image of myself has grown on me. Or, better said, I piled off the artificial layers and it just came from the inside. So it's even surprising to me how much faith I have in, in the value of this work I do and that um, I can do it till the end of my life. It's so interesting. There is no, no end to improvement for myself personally, but also for me serving others. 
If you do share your your knowledge and your practices as well with others, um, would you like to tell a bit about this part of your work, basically? Yes. So the work I do is, is based on all the aspects of my journey of recovering from chronic pain. I call it mindful movement because it... It contains many different aspects of things I learned, mainly the somatic education and the Feldenkrais method in which I'm training. And when when people think about mindfulness and don't know much about it, they often think about, you know, it's connected to the mind and it's about doing nothing so, so that we kind of become mindful. Here, it's the mindful movement, so it's like a meditation in movement, one can say, but it's more so about giving yourself time and space to sense yourself, to come back to your body, to connect your mind and the body into the one which they are, even though we often separate them for some reason. And this work of mindful movement I do it in two formats. So there is one which is uh, individual work and it's done in, in my practice. So there is a table, it's a spe special kind of table. It's not a massage table. It's lower, it's harder, so the person lies on it. And I do the movements for the person and the job of the person is just to sense and be there and accept whatever comes. So it's kind of a movement therapy And the idea is to explore where is this person now? So what's normal for them? How much their body is tense or not tense? How they are organized? What's, what's their world as they come? And then as we go through that exploration, very often, even at this first stage, something already changes. Because when you bring the attention for the nervous system to, to look into, to look inward, something changes because it gives information. And this, this process uh, taps into the neuroplasticity. It's a phenomena which was discovered not so long time ago <clears throat> with the development of neuroscience. And it's proved the capacity of the human brain to change at any age. Before that, people thought, okay, we just grow, we learn, we change until 25, 27, when the formal growth of the human uh, body depends on male or female finishes but then they realize that no you can still learn you can still change no matter your age and that can be used in many different aspects and one of them is in reorganizing your nervous system and learning something about yourself and through that learning the nervous system can change because pain is as well as habits just the ways we are used to to move, to, to, to leave, they come as a, like fixed settings that we never look, look back to, we never uh, reconsider. But if you give enough of attention to your for your nervous system to explore, it can actually change. So in chronic pain domain or the research, There are a lot of studies showing that it's not actually about the pain where you feel it, but it's about the pain situation created in your brain connected to that trigger 
and for that, for one or another reason, you feel it in that speci- specific area. So it's a lot to do with the neural connections. And, and that's something that you can change through training? Yes, yes. And the best way to change that is through the movement itself. Because when you think how you move, you don't think about changing the weight, putting one leg, another leg, and and thanks goodness, <laughs> otherwise we wouldn't be able to do anything else. But it goes on a subconscious level. So our nervous system manages it on its own and it does a great job because it has all these mechanisms of using the best option it knows. So that's why we don't fall every second step and that's why we are moving quite smoothly through life. And to change that, you cannot change that with your conscious mind. So one of the most effective ways to improve the way you move is to give your nervous system an experience of the alternative. And that's what we do in this work. So once we figured out or like explored where you are, we gently start to go like one millimeter to the right, one millimeter to the left. Let's see, maybe this is available, maybe that is available. And in such a way, we slowly increase the options of movement. It's not that they were not there, just the nervous system didn't know about them. So we bring it to the light and we show, look, it can be this way. And receiving such an experience, that's what actually gives it gives an opportunity for the nervous system to pick up the other option because it knows now. So that's that's the biggest concept of this work, of providing people a sense of feeling, providing the nervous system with information for a change and other options. But on a cognitive level, a very important part is giving you a sense of how does it feel to feel better? Because we often forget and we don't even imagine that we can feel that way. And on, for, for the psychology, it's very important to, 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 to know that you can be better starting where you are and then it gives you the drive to continue and to, to improve. So you offer uh, individual lessons but also group lessons, right? Yeah, yes. So the concept behind is the same. Um, but in the group lessons, it's it's a group setting, and the communication, the learning goes through the voice guidance. So I guide, I guide you through through different sets of movement, explaining how you move different parts of yourself. And the funny part is that I don't show, I don't show the movement myself and many people get confused at the beginning <laughs> because we're so used to be shown things and then what do you mean I need to figure out? Once once people allow themselves 10 minutes of confusion at the beginning, they realize that it's actually better for them because I, I observe students and I adjust my guidance uh, to make sure that everybody follows the, the idea, the, the thread of the lesson. And the lessons are based on the anatomically coherent movements. So they are they are very gentle, they are slow, giving you time to sense, to feel, to experiment, to, to explore, to realize things about yourself. And it, it builds on. So we start very small and then we increase the movement. So in the end, it's giving your nervous system some kind of information for the specific 
pathways it has. Some lessons they have, they are more functional. So for example, for, for sitting, for standing up, for sitting down, for walking, for turning. Uh, and some other lessons are more topic related. So for example, the breathing or the, the, the eye movement and connection to the rest of the body. So it gives people a sense, an idea of how does it feel to be connected to yourself. And many people at the end of the lesson experience lightness and more stability, which actually uh, translate into releasing the unnecessary muscular tension and using your skeleton. Thank you, Irina. Thank you, Francisca. That was Irina Sagaidak in our interview on Voices Matter. She is a trainer for mindful movements, and we have talked about the several transitions that she has gone through before arriving there. Tune in again next week for a new episode, a new person, a new story on Voices Matter. That was Voices Matter. At Era City Radio, we are convinced that every voice matters. Yours as well. If you want to share your story, contact us at listeners at era.lu or via Era City Radio's social media channels.